Hello everyone, welcome to Figment of My Reality, where we talk about the true stuff that makes this big old world seem made of. I'm the first co-host, Jeremy Bales. I'm your other co-host, Jason Wright. So Jeremy, you know it's hot, whatever he's talking about right now? Do tell. Avatar. The blue people? No, The Last Airbender, obviously. My man. Netflix just picked it up, everybody's talking about it. So my question is, if you were going to be able to bend... One of the four elements, which if people don't know, are air, earth, wind, and fire. And soul. <laughs> and, and soul. And, and sorry, and heart for uh, Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> if you could bend one of those, which one would you want to be able to? So are we talking just for like ease of day-to-day, or are we talking about to be the most powerful? Whatever you're looking for. So I think the the correct uh, answer would be water bending to get to that blood bending, you know, full on puppet master. So you just want to kill people. But me, myself, and I, I think I am an earth bender. <laughs> I think for me, it's either earth or air. If you have a little intellect and you know how to uh, control some airflow, you might be able to make yourself fly. Right, straight up air scooter. We know that technique. Yeah, or I could go into the excavating business as an earthbender and uh, just rack in that dough. How is Jason building all these foundations (laughs) for houses? He did this whole development in a day. Yeah, it's crazy. He had no capital because he didn't need to start the business with any type of machinery. (laughs) Unfortunately, Jason, double-edged sword, no tax (laughs) write-offs. I think I'll take it. I think I I would too. I don't think I need to pay anybody either besides myself. <laughs> the crazy thing with, with earthbending and the uh, going into that type of industry, Jason, is you could also metal bend if you become proficient enough. And you're not just doing foundations at that point. You are full on building systems by Jason. But my question is, once you're raking in all that dough from being a one-man show excavating crew, are you really going to put in the work to be able to bend the metal? Are you going to hang it up and say, you know what, this is good enough? It doesn't look like it takes a a ton of effort to probably build a foundation for a house, to dig the holes for them. Not if you're able to somehow magically move the earth. Right. So with that being said, I could make excavating a side gig and just still crush it as I hone my technique to be a metal (laughs) bender. Pretty easily, I would say. Now, I've noticed that neither one of us mentioned fire, and is that because fire is too volatile, or because it's just boring? (laughs) I mean, if you're in the real world today, I would go with with just, yeah, I would go with just boring. Like, what am I going to do? Go to be in a circus and shoot fire around? I was going to say, or that, or you will become a real live blacksmith. (laughs) (laughs) People can do pretty much the equivalent of those things without having superpowers. Exactly. You could you could heat a furnace real good. <laughs> that would be yeah, it, they would be comparable to you. So, yeah, I I think fires out. Yeah, we should probably get into it. <laughs> probably. My story is going to go into some of the struggles that people face in childbirth. Not necessarily medical troubles, but just the general world troubles that could make giving birth a bad make it a bad situation make it a bad (laughs) yeah make it make it make it bad so are we the most qualified people to be talking about this Uh, we're probably not the most qualified people to be talking about anything to be honest i don't know i felt really confident on that avatar (laughs) (laughs) 
But I'm not going to go into details about the actual childbirth. It's everything surrounding it. So the events that happened before and after and kind of the setting that it was in that made it more wild slash interesting than your normal childbirth. Well, Jason, I am all ears. Tell me all about it. A woman, her last name is referenced throughout this article, Pangborn. She's okay. 35 She's thirty-five years old. She's nine months pregnant, and she's trying to induce labor. Great. Good for her. Yep. And I've heard of people eating, like, hot, spicy food, going on walks and stuff. She, de- she decides to induce labor. She's going to go to the casino. Interesting. I can't say that I've heard that method. Maybe if you win big, everything dilates and you're good. <laughs> I mean, that would be exciting. I think that might work. Chances of that happening are probably pretty low, though. But she doesn't induce labor, so she decides she's going to go hit up another casino. <laughs> so, hold on, just give me one sec. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't induce it at one casino, so she moves to another? Yeah, I mean, okay. maybe that casino just wasn't, wasn't right. It wasn't spicy enough, so she's going to the spicier casino to try to... induce labor so on the way there she gets lost and apparently where she gets lost is this like back road in the woods off the beaten path road and she runs out of gas on this road so she's a planner she is a planner and and apparently casinos aren't the thing that induces slavery running out of gas is oh no (laughs) so so no So while she's on this road where apparently no cars are coming by in the middle of nowhere, they pretty much say it's like in the woods. She that gives birth dreadful. to her she gives birth to her daughter. It is it's very dreadful. That's the first thing that makes this unusual is giving birth in a car that ran out of gas in the middle of nowhere. In the backwoods, yeah. In the woods. For sure. I would say that's not really typical. (laughs) (laughs) She throws a sleeping bag in the back seat, gives birth, and that all goes great, which is good. Yeah. Um, Apparently, there's no complications that happen there. At this time, Jason, I will pose a question. Where do you think would be a less good place to to give birth? Just off the top of my head, if you were taking a donkey ride tour in the Grand Canyon. Okay. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's very fair. Oh, man. Okay. Next part of the story. Okay, so she gives birth. The child comes out. It's okay. But for some reason, a bunch of mosquitoes and bees start trying to attack her. Do you mean attack, like, more aggressively than typical? Like, because I go out in the summers and I feel like I'm getting pretty pretty well targeted by mosquitoes. I can't really speak for bees, but... (laughs) (laughs) So Pangborn's theory on this is... She she says it seems like the bees were like coming after the placenta that was left oh. behind. And she doesn't know if that was attracting them or what, but apparently it was like not the typical, oh, there's a bee or two here. Like it was they it was were like com- swarm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so she's doing so she's doing everything she can to protect her baby. And apparently she gets stung and bit a bunch, but the baby's okay. Good for her. She's just a straight up warrior. She is. So, oh, in the middle, now we're in the middle of nowhere. No cell phone reception, too. I didn't mention that. She she, her, she doesn't have any cell phone reception. Car broke down. Yep. Give, Is it broke down birth, or just out of gas? Because there's a difference. Out of gas. Out of okay. gas. She uh, gave birth, being attacked by mosquitoes and bees. So this was on Thursday. They don't say how long these bees and, and uh, mosquitoes 
come after her, but I, I would assume it was the whole time because bees are, are pretty hard workers, so I assume if they want to yeah. come after you, they're not going to stop. Some real earthbenders. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So she's doing all this, and she she's surviving these next couple days that she's stuck here by drinking water that I guess she has and eating apples. Wow. I don't know where this where this where these water and apples are coming from, but I, I'm assuming she had them with her. Yeah, I'd say most. I would say mediocre level of preparedness has at least a couple of bottles of water in everyone's vehicle. You know. Yeah. For sure, especially a, a soon-to-be mother. You know, she has to have at least that, at least that six-pack of water bottles ready to roll. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, maybe she broke down in, a, in an apple orchard or something. She's able. Boy, to what luck that would be, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she she has the water and the apples she's fighting off the bees and she's there for like three days that in and of itself is insane it is and she's able to keep the baby okay um but i don't know where this road is that no cars drove by in three days um it's the shortcut to that second casino. <laughs> apparently the second <laughs> casino is not doing great because people yeah. are not taking the shortcut but the day she was going there was actually it's like closing day <laughs> <laughs> so after three days she decides i gotta do something people aren't coming to help i don't have cell phone reception these apples these apples and water aren't gonna last forever so she gets the sleeping bag out. Yeah. She, she throws it on the ground. Okay. Apparently she has a bottle of oil in her car and a bunch of hairspray and a lighter. And she combines oh, them me, all. Oh my. <laughs> she combines them all t- to make a fire. Probably a sizable one, I'd say. Sizable as in it catches the forest on fire. That's one way to send a message. Firebending. <laughs> <laughs> She's quoted saying, like, the whole side of the mountain was caught on fire. I was looking at Marissa, her baby, Mm -hmm. and was like, I think Mommy just started a forest fire. Seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Crazy. That's what a can of oil hairspray will do. My gosh. How'd this resolve? So she starts the fire, and it does get sizable enough that a helicopter going over top of the forest notices it and calls it in. Some people come down and uh, rescue her, Pangborn and her daughter, and they notice immediately that she. They both need medical attention. They take her boat, take them both to the hospital, treat them, and everything ends up okay. They end up my goodness getting everybody healthy. For some reason, the fire department and the police and all the people involved are very skeptical about when the childbirth was. Yeah, I, I buy that. I buy that there was some skepticism. <laughs> and the, all the quotes that I that I see through from them through the article are like, we don't know when the child was actually born, and and I don't know why that matters or not. She was stranded, <laughs> being attacked by bees, and she was there for several days. They're like, no, I believe the bees and the wildfire. <laughs> it's this pregnancy that I'm really concerned yeah. about. Um, apparently another complication was the baby wasn't premature, but due to Pangborn having a gastric bypass surgery several years before, it caused the baby to be much smaller than normal. So mm. she, she was only born at four pounds. Um, oh my she was, she was obviously healthy in a nine month baby, but apparently a gastric bypass surgery can cause a baby 
to be much smaller than the average that's child. That's really interesting. Like that. Yeah. I mean, your story in and of itself is pretty interesting, but that that little tidbit, that little nugget, if you, yeah. <laughs> also pretty interesting. Yeah. So this all ended up good. Um, this mom fought for her baby, kept it safe. Heck yeah. Um, they both ended up healthy. The weird thing that was thrown in at the end of this article is Pangborn has three other children. Uh huh. So she's been so, through uh, pregnancy once or twice. <laughs> so as a seasoned older veteran, children or younger children. So did she learn from her mistake or she thought she was a pro? I was like, nah, it'll be fine. I'll just finish it off at the casino. <laughs> I think it's the latter. She thought she's a pro. I thought she'd be a little bit more prepared after that. Oh, after boy. having several children, <laughs> but no, I know how this goes. <laughs> wow. You go to the casino, makes you have the baby. It'll all work out. Well, for all we know, she did that three times prior and it worked out perfectly. <laughs> she had it down to a routine. It worked too well this time. Mm. The, the first casino set her into labor she just headed out a few minutes too early well that is buck wild i'm glad everyone turned out safe and sound i would say a little just sort of a a little pure nugget of wisdom that i have received from this story jason i'm not gonna go to a casino (laughs) (laughs) i might get pregnant (laughs) you might have a baby if you go there Jason Wright, my story is about the bandit who wouldn't give up. Now, it's not often that we find some desirable qualities of of bandits or people doing it on the wrong side of the law, but Elmer J. McCurdy, born 1880, just wouldn't quit. You know, he he hung around. He stuck to it. And that's something you you definitely have to admire. Yeah. No matter what it is. By choice or not, and we'll get into that, but uh, the man just he just had a legacy that would not die. <laughs> so, Elmer McCurdy had a pretty rough upbringing. Uh, not going to get into too much of the nitty-gritty with that, but, you know, without much of influence from his, his parents, was one of those uh, individuals who had some aggressive history prone to, to acting out, all that type of thing. He went to the School of Hard Knocks. Yeah, and uh, I think he beat up the principal, and then he became the principal of Hard Knock School. <laughs> My dad told me he went to that school. <laughs> <laughs> Did he? <laughs> Apparently, he steered clear of this guy. You should ask your dad if he knows Elmer. He'll probably say, yeah, I beat Elmer's ass. <laughs> anyway, after he had done just a little bit of schooling, he started more work as sort of a tradesman. He was a, he was a plumber for a time. Um, and he actually worked as a plumber until the economy crashed at the start of the 1900s, so right around his 20s. Following that, he sort of freelanced where he could as a plumber and a mechanic uh, and as a miner, just trying to get work where he could and, you know, keep his head above water. That really wasn't doing it for him, so at age 27, Elmer... This is the year 1907. Elmer McCurdy joined the army. And what better trait than someone who's uh, prone to aggression than to learn how to blow up things with nitroglycerin and TNT? (laughs) 
Me make things go boom. Make things go boom is a probably a very fun trade. Yeah, I'm sure he had a blast with it. No pun intended. Uh, at age 30, after three years in the military, 1910, he was actually honorably discharged, and he began a different line of work, which was robbing banks and robbing trades. <laughs> nice. Nice. I'm sure he's going to use his blowing up skills to... Uh... To some effect, right? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately enough... <laughs> He was a very, very bad bandit. <laughs> so there was one job in particular that caught my eye. They were, he and whatever uh, posse or gang he was running around with were eyeing up this train that was coming that allegedly had like a $4,000 bank vault or bank safe on it. And uh, they actually managed to stop the train. They boarded the train. He tried to blow the door open on the safe. And he melted too much of the, the contents so that the pool was actually closer to like 46 or $50. And that was just from people he robbed on the train. <laughs> you know, it's important to work hard and never give up. But, you know, sometimes if you don't have just a little bit of raw talent, yeah, you can't to be you some natural, succeed. There needs to be some marble to get that David sculpture. <laughs> exactly. Just a little bit. <laughs> With any amount of marble, you can get a little David sculpture. Right. But without any marble, there's no, no marble, sculpture. no David. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately, Elmer had, it wasn't just this once that he sort of had these flubs that caused him to lose a good job. There were several, several jobs. We'll uh, post the articles in the description so you guys can take a look yourselves. There's a number of uh, examples of Elmer just kind of making making soup sandwiches out of his jobs. <laughs> so moving forward on one of his heists, unfortunately enough, um, he was shot and was killed at age 31, year 1911. At that point, because his, his family life was so um, muddled and he wasn't really um, one someone would want to claim, when he was embalmed and the undertaker was waiting for somebody to claim his body to pay for the services, no one really showed up. And this is the part of the story that gets kind of wacky. So when nobody showed up for the embalmed Elmer, the undertaker made a display out of him. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, it's not a good look. The logic behind the undertaker doing this was he wanted to regain some of the money that went into embalming Elmer. What kind of display do you make out of a person? Well, he was called the embalmed bandit. He was called the bandit who wouldn't give up because his likeness was so well embalmed that it looked like he was just sort of a wax sculpture. Now people came up and they paid money for him. And nobody came to claim poor Elmer's body. Until about five years later when some folks came and they said, hey, you know, this is this is my brother. Can we have his body, please? And obviously, because the undertaker had no method of disproving who these two gentlemen were, he gave them Elmer's body. Did he charge them? I think he probably made enough I, money after five years. Or at least I would I was hope gonna, so. A man that would put an embalmed body out on display, I feel like would want to charge them. Say, hey, I embalmed this guy five years ago. Yeah. I don't know how he's still. I don't know how he's still here. Well, <laughs> he did a he did a dang good job then. He must. Have. But yeah, I would have thought a a guy like this would have looked for some payment. But 
maybe he was just rolling in all that dough. Well, what's crazy enough is during that five-year period when he had Elmer on display, he uh, he actually entertained several offers from you know circuses and people who wanted to sort of take the display for their own. But he at every turn he's like, no, no, I'm going to wait for the family until the family shows up. I'm going to keep just using this body till the wheels come off. Like he is absolutely just when, when every penny's worth. <laughs> when when was this? Elmer died in 1911 process of five years so from 1911 ish to 1916 so yeah so in that time frame yeah. i would assume there were some laws and rules <laughs> in place i yeah. would i would find it hard to believe there weren't rules about displaying a mm-hmm. random dead person just to exploit them for money and i also would think there would be some rules against selling them like i i assume these were like back alley offers to buy this person is that considered human trafficking that is a philosophical question i don't think we have the right uh, expertise or time to get into jason <laughs> as far as rules are concerned i think this is um, can we assume that this is a lawless texas town <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's a good assumption i think in future cases because we've already made reference to it in the past if it seems like it should break a law and doesn't, it's probably Texas town. <laughs> <laughs> we could preface our stories as saying Texas rules apply. <laughs> anyway, so we'll call it 1916. Uh, a couple of gentlemen come up and say that claim uh, Elmer as their brother. And again, because the undertaker had no evidence against that case, he gave it to him. At that point, Elmer did become a sideshow for a circus because those were mm-hmm. people... Who just wanted to uh, to get that good good body? Yeah, they <laughs> they wanted to get that body display going, <laughs> not in a good way. So that continued for a period as well, and it actually continued further and further through multiple generations. And there were how yeah. how did they keep it? Well, they would regularly, what they said is spiff up the body, which cleaned him off, rewaxed him, and basically just like. Uh, polished up him his bits. <laughs> you imagine being the person in charge of that. Somebody asks you, "What do you do for a living?" I keep the dead guy looking okay <laughs> at the at the local circus. <laughs> yeah, they say it's better than digging ditches, but I don't buy it. This <laughs> Originally, I thought they were right, but not anymore. Well, it came to be that people just sort of considered him a prop because I think as it progressed. You know, folks were just like, oh, you know, move the bandit display or whatever the case may be. So much so that it was actually put into a movie called She Freak pretty recently. And I'll have to look at the uh, the year that that actually happened. But it wasn't like a thing. People just kept on doing this and doing this and used him as a prop. Gross. So, Jason, I'm, I'm going to paint you a scenario. Imagine the year is seven, 1976. <laughs> <laughs> you're filming a show called six billion dollar man and there's an upcoming episode that has this wonderful wax man as a prop and i go- steal him i <laughs> take him i take him to a dark alley and I, I i try to bury him discreetly to put this poor poor man to rest yeah so you go to move the prop which you believe to be a wax mannequin and an arm comes off and instead of seeing more wax you see bones and muscles in there 
No. Yeah. And that was uh, the last time Elmer was used as a prop, thank goodness. Uh, After that time, I think some local authorities came in and buried Elmer uh, under two feet of concrete. That way, he would discourage any grave diggers from basically trying to do this whole shenanigans thing again. And, you know, we talked about the bandit who wouldn't give up. I almost wish he would have a bit sooner. Yeah, like way sooner. Like 50 years sooner. (laughs) At least. How awful of a person can you be to want to um, take advantage of someone who can't do anything against it because he had passed, who has clearly no family who wants to come up and claim him. So what is so unhinged in your brain you're like, yeah, I got a couple pennies off from this. But why? Like, it can't be that much money. I doubt there's that many people that are like, man, I want to go see this guy that's been dead for 10 years. Well, that's maybe. Maybe there's some <laughs> sickos out there. Um, one of the articles I got my uh, source, what I sourced from, I actually went and visited the grave in Oklahoma in 2017. And there are actually fresh flowers on it. So hopefully someone's keeping up and honoring the memory of elmer mccurdy the man who was forced to never give up yeah the man who (laughs) not willingly kept after it for 50 years 75 years beyond his death see this this proves to me or gives me some strong inkling into the idea that ghosts aren't real because if ghosts were real then those people would would have (laughs) those people would have 100 percent be haunted by that man and if imagine if your body was taken and this was happening i would be the most merciless pest of a ghost of all time ever i wouldn't like do the blood curdling screams every night when you're trying to go to bed i would just appear and stare at you i would make sure you suffer from the worst insomnia ever you'd hide their keys so they they're like i swore i put them here every morning i put them on the hook and they're always gone (laughs) yeah man that's uh that's the story of the bandit you know the embalmed bandit bandit who wouldn't give up elmer j mccurdy uh r.i.p my man That's going to do it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review uh, as it helps us out a ton. Uh, If you're interested in contacting us with a story that you know and you want to hear us dig into or maybe a story that's happened to you and you want us to to sort of put it out there, you can reach us at our social medias. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is at figofmyreality. And our Gmail account is figmentofmyreality at gmail.com. Here's with that fact. Our piece of reality for this week is there's a type of bird called the lyre bird. It can mimic almost any sound it hears to include chainsaws. I'm Jeremy Bales. I'm Jason Wright. Talk to you next week.